Smartcast. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready to write? Do you want to learn what it takes to create a writing career? Then tune in and take notes because on Simply Write, we talk about the writer's craft and the qualities and quirks of living a writer's life. Let's go. Welcome. Hello there. This is Simply Write with Polly, the show where we talk about crafting a writing career and living the writer's life. And that takes a bunch of marketing and business savvy, the entrepreneurial spirit, takes good writing chops. All those things can be learned. These are things you can practice, get better at, develop throughout your career. I have. I have. And if I can do it, heck, anyone can do it. But it requires a willingness to learn as you go and to put in the time. It requires dedication and commitment, not only to the craft, but to the business side of it. So do you have what it takes? That you can learn, but you've got to put in the time. And we're going to be talking about one of the ways to start doing that in today's show. We're going to talk about market research, why I think it's important, and how you can do it so that you're going to sell more articles and books and IP properties instead of getting rejected, right? That's what we're going for. We want to get this work published. Publishing means not only an income so we can buy dog food, but it also means that we get a chance to do more writing. And that's what I'm in it for. I I need to uh, help support my family for sure, and I want to do that. And I want to keep writing. I want to keep doing this job. And the way I do that is by selling more work because the more money I make, the longer I get to write and publish. And that's what I'm in it for. But as you know, we start each show with the dailies. What's on my to-do list today? Let's see. Here's what the dailies look like today. I have a meeting tomorrow with a potential client a business that wants some content marketing writing done. And so I'm going to take some more time today to look at their particular needs, the kind of things they want to communicate to their public, to establish their brand, the tone that they have going now, ways to improve that or things we might want to sustain and have some real uh, measurable ideas to offer them in that a meeting tomorrow. We have a half hour to talk over some ideas that I have, a proposal for them that might support them in their goals. And uh, I want to work with them. So I want the job. So this is about as close as you can get to a job interview in my business. Now, often, the more established you get, uh, the more likely you are if you if you do well, like Jen Miller talked about, uh, 
last week, people will come back to you and this was a referral. Um, so they're coming to me and asking for my thoughts about this. And so I'm going to give them a little pitch, talk about how I work and get to know each other and see if it would be a good working relationship for both of us. So I'm going to spend some time there. I'm revising chapter six. Yes, I have moved on from chapter four. You know, I'm still playing with this fiction project. It's uh, it's really rewarding right now. I'm having a lot of fun with it. It feels very creative. It's a completely new form of writing for me. And I'm finding that that is infusing my nonfiction writing with a lot of energy. So that feels good. But I'm on chapter six revision today of that uh, the first draft is done, so this is the second draft, really. I am, uh, don't tell my mom, uh, shopping for a Mother's Day present. I'm going to see my family this weekend, and I want to have uh, something to leave behind. I'm fortunate to have a great mother, and uh, so I'm, gonna, I'm thinking about that. And I'm going to be doing all of this in the middle of a construction zone, around just down the hallway from my home office as you know we had a plumbing issue last year so we're taking out some walls and replacing uh, some of those broken areas and so they're banging and sawing and making tons of rackets so um, I am going to hunker down in my office and, and do some writing get out the simply said column. You might be interested in that. It's polycampbell.substack.com. And it's just like a pep talk in your inbox once a week. Um, it is how to live well, do good and be happy. And that's really what we discuss on my other podcast, which is Polly Campbell simply said. And um, it goes out to hundreds of people every week. And it's just some notes, some research, some things I'm grappling with, the ways I'm dealing with it, just odds and ends. So you could check that out. Or, of course, join our Simply Write community at simplywrite.substack.com. So those are the things I'm working on today. And those are the dailies. It's time for a little shop talk today. I think this is an interesting discussion. We're going to talk about market research. And I will tell you straight up that in the uh, beginning of my career, which was last century, <laughs> literally, I did not do what I'm going to suggest you do at all, probably for the first year or two years. And I really struggled uh, selling. I really struggled getting people to respond to my pitch letters, which we called mostly queries then. And at that time, they were mostly to magazine, print magazines and newspapers. Uh, you would pop the pitch letter in a self, in an envelope with a self-address stamp envelope included, send that off to the magazine. In six or eight weeks, you would get your rejections, <laughs> which I did for that first year or a couple of years, more often than not. And for a long time, I really equated it with my experience level. I was a new, I didn't have a lot of experience. I didn't have a lot of clips, but you know, I did have enough and I figured things were going haywire if after that many attempts, I was still getting mostly rejections. So I did two things. One is I started getting really good at writing pitch letters and query letters. Now most people call them pitches, but I still call them queries. And they're one and the same the way I'm talking about them today. 
Um, I became a lot better at writing queries and I spent a lot of time working on that. I worked on that for a solid year and I got a mentor along the way to really help me hone in on that. And it was uh, hard going because the deal is you have a whole lot of information to include in a letter that's less than a typewritten page long at that time. And now I think you got to go even shorter. One day we'll talk about pitch letters on, on the show. But today we're going to talk about finding places to send those pitches and market research because really it doesn't matter how good your query is if you don't know the market. And that's the part I didn't know. When I was in college studying journalism, go Ducks, uh, I had a professor who was a professional magazine writer, and she said, spend two hours looking at two years worth of the magazine you wanted to write for. And then everything was print publications. So, you know, I'd go to the library and I would stack up these piles of Good Housekeeping or Family Circle or whatever magazine. I wrote for Fire Chief Magazine. I, I wrote for all kinds of them, Arthritis Today. And I would stack these up on the table, all the editions. So 12 issues a year, sometimes more for two years. I'd have 24 issues sitting there. Um, and then I'd comb through them. And in the beginning, I felt all rightly just getting myself to the, the library where they had all the past issues. But I got bored with this really quickly. Um, or I'd go down the rabbit hole like I do now with social media and I'd end up getting captivated by one article and using all my time on that. And it wasn't very efficient. This was the market research, she said. She said, if you're going to sell, you have to know what the market wants. And so I never really followed through with this and I never sold that many pieces. When I slowed my roll a little and I really started looking at the markets as a, a editor, as a writer, I became very efficient in my market research and I began selling um, almost every time. I got very few rejections and that built over my career because when you understand the market, you understand A, what you can bring to the market as a writer if anything, you understand, B, who the audience is, so who you're writing for. Aside from the editor who makes the assignment, you're writing for the editors, but you're writing for their readers because that's who they serve, right? And you understand the types of things they want to publish. So if I'm going to write a story about chronic illness and navigating the morning routine, that might be perfect, for arthritis today, but that's not going to be a piece that, you know, a TV guide or fire chief magazine are going to want to run. Okay. That might be a, 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 an article for arthritis today, like I said, or WebMD, which is now around. It wasn't around then. And even then understanding what the publication is looking for doesn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily guarantee a sale unless you write it to their particular readership. So writing about, so Arthritis Today and WebMD and um, magazines like Entrepreneur or Business-Oriented Magazines, Next Avenue, they may want articles that include information about living with chronic illness, but they're going to want different articles because they have different readerships. The needs of their reading audience 
are different and very specific. And if you don't understand that, you're going to send an article to Arthritis Today that has been overdone or not applicable to the people they are serving. In order to sell, you have to write to those specific audiences. And the editors know what they are, and the readers know why they're buying the magazine. So if you want to be in those pages or in their publication online, which there are tremendous opportunities online now for online publications, then you better know what they're looking for. You've got to do your research. Now, this comes up all the time now, though a lot of things about writing and publishing have changed since I've been a professional writer the last 25 years. The one thing that has remained the same is you have to know what the publication you want to publish and write for needs, what they're looking for, who reads their stuff, who their advertisers are, what they're trying to do in the marketplace and how they're trying to serve. And it came up just this morning because I'm working on a personal essay and there's a magazine that I would like to have my work in. Uh, it's it's established. It's got a great tone. I think it's smart. I think they have smart writers. And so I was working on this essay, thinking about that magazine, and then I'm like, wait a minute. Have I ever read an essay in that? Have I ever read a personal essay? And I went to them online, and I started to investigate. And no. They don't run personal essays. In fact, they say it straight out. They have other first-person stories, but they're different than the one I'm working on. So it's a good thing I did my research before I sent them that piece because nothing will help you lose credibility more than if you don't know what the market you want to write for wants to publish. Okay, so how do we do this? The short answer is to spend time not only reading the publication you want to write for, but really scouring it. I want you to read their about page, read their corporate mission and values in a print publication, and there still are a few around, particularly association magazines and so forth. You can look in the early pages of the magazine and see they're masked. On the about page on the websites, you can go there and often see their team or their contributors. Contributors are, are usually writers that work regularly for the magazine, but they're not in-house. There might be an in-house editorial team. There might be a content director. There's all different names being used now, but you want to go understand from the ground up the foundation of the publication. Arthritis Today comes from the Arthritis Foundation. It is specific to that foundation. Association magazines, look for alumni associations for whatever university you graduated from and go back and look at those alumni magazines. Look for uh, consumer custom publications like the Costco magazine, right? For the people who shop at Costco. So look around. You might be surprised. You'll have a topic that you may want to write about and you'll find lots of different places, perhaps put that article or that essay, but the angle or the slant you take, the focus you take on those pieces will differ from magazine to magazine. So when you're investigating the publications, that's what you want to look for. What, what kind of point of view do they take? What is their tone? What is their voice? And you start doing that by looking at the administrative team and then going backwards. Who is the executive editor or editorial director and go all the way down to the contributor 
marketing writers or freelancers or content providers, whatever they call it. See who's putting the articles out. Now, something to keep in mind, I write for a lot of places that I don't read regularly because I'm really driven by the idea. I'll stumble down something uh, around something that I think is really interesting or that I've never heard about, or I'll have something come up in my own life. And remember, everything's material. So I figure if it's happening to me, other people may be having the same problem. And it will be the idea that drives me to seek out the publication. Now I have a, a set of core publications that I want to write for, that I like to read. Some of those are not a good fit for my writing. Um, and some of them I do want to write for. So let figure out what drives you. Is there a set publication that you're targeting? Or is there an idea that you want to publish and need to find a publication for? So a good way to start with that then, in, in the olden days, and I think it's still out there, and I think you can get a membership to it too. We used to get this big, thick, volume catalog called the writer's market which i love because you could flip through the pages and it just looked like a book of possibilities right um and i think you can still get that the library still has magazines you can go through and access to the internet if you if you want to search them that way and other databases and so forth i just go online and I'll put in the topic I want to write and I'll see what pops up. You know, if it's something from University of Oregon, it might be a shot from my alumni publication. If it's something for arthritis today, I have those contacts because I have worked for them over the years. Um, I write a lot of personal development, so I know what magazines run personal development articles. So you can search for them on Google and just see what shows up. If there's something that appears to be a good match for your idea, then you go to that publication and you start the search, look at their editorial team, look at their management team, see how it's laid out and go to articles in their publication that might be like the one you're proposing. So have an idea in mind, what kind of idea you're going to present, the structure you want to take and go read to see if they're running articles like that. If they're running list articles or how many interviews and sources they want, do they need medical staff in the articles? Whatever it is that your article is going to require, do they run articles like that? And you can tell that real quick, right? When you find an article that may be like yours, similar structure and idea, then go to that article and read a whole bunch of them. If you see one over the course of two years, it might not be the best market for you. But if this is something they run in every publication, or they always are blog posting on this topic of sleep deprivation, or psychology, or mental health, or physical fitness, or crafting, embroidery, whatever it is, right? Then go to an article that might be similar to the one you're proposing and see if they give the author a byline. Who's the writer? Click on that and see what kind of articles they write or search for the name and see if this is the kind of stuff that freelancers provide or if these are in-house people who work for the magazine. Sometimes, like for custom publications, they will have their own staff and they don't contract freelancers. But often, you'll see, if you click on the link of the byline of the writer, you'll see that they, you know, what their position is or who else they write for. There'll be a small bio. And if no writer is mentioned and no 
bio is given, that tells you something too about the publication, right? Do you want to write for a publication that doesn't give the writer credit? Does that mean they do the work in house? Does that mean that they don't pay? That tells you a lot of things. So once you see if the publication is a good fit for the kind of idea you want to propose, then read everything you can that they publish about that, that's done in a similar vein. And when you're reading those pieces, look for the advertisements or the sponsors that are on that page. In, in the magazines, you'll see you know, fancy ads for vodka, or you might see in a woman's fitness magazine, you'll see fitness clothing, yoga information, or books in spirituality and health. There's a lot of books. There's a lot of retreats uh, advertised. That tells me when I see those advertisements, what kind of readers, what the readers are looking for. It'll tell you the kind of products they buy. If you read a parenting magazine, you're going to see a lot of stuff for moms about helping them be more efficient at home, a lot of house products, a lot of baby products, things to help us be better parents, right? So when you figure out that the magazine might be a good fit for your particular idea article, start paying attention to the other things they publish, because that gives you an insight to the audience they publish for. Read the headlines, look at the subheads and the subtitles. Even go down, and I, I had, when I was beginning the first five years, I had a notebook about this. I had a set checklist that I go through when I was scanning a market, and I would go right down. How are the headlines written? What kind of words are they using in the headlines? How strong are they? Do they use subtitles or not? And if so, what kind? What are the subheads like in the copy? How are they linking on the page nowadays? Do they link with an actual website? Do they just give a hot link? Do they have sources that are unlinked, medical doctors? Who are their sources? Are they everyday people? Do they uh, want the writer to write a first person? point of view. So it's more of a personal essay format. Do they have uh, industry experts? And how many? I had one magazine that every article I wrote for them, they wanted three experts. It was a thousand words. Every article was a thousand words long. They wanted uh, three interviewed experts, quotes from each expert. One of them was an everyday regular person like me, and two of the others were industry professionals, experts, PhDs, or MDs, and that's what I did. Now, they were different people every time because the topics were fluid, right? I was always writing about different things, but that was their standard. And you know what? I knew that before I even pitched them an idea because I had studied their pages online and off. This happened at the time this magazine did too. They did a print version and an online version. Get all your hands on every piece that you can. See what they're doing. A, a good way to do this is go to the library, uh, go to the newsstand at a store like Powell's or uh, Barnes & Noble. They have a pretty good newsstand still. Look for the magazines that would include articles on the topic you want to cover right? And then get in its pages and look for the specifics. You know, a health magazine 
is is a pretty broad topic. So would they cover your specific idea? There's a lot of health and fitness magazines that aren't going to write about cancer because they write about how to be healthier, not how to be a better sick person or not how to deal with healthcare. But there are magazines that will deal with the health aspects of, of healthcare management and so forth. So depending on your idea, you need to find the angle um, find the magazine that would run the kind of story you do, and then go through its pages. Find the contributors, find the editorial staff, find who produces the publication, who publishes the piece, uh, the the magazine, and who advertises, what kind of business, what kind of readers they have, because advertisers are very keen on their demographic. If you see a lot of stuff about fitness and fitness machines and yoga retreats. You're going to probably be looking at a women's health magazine. If you see a lot of stuff about entrepreneurial spirit and about mindset and about success strategies, maybe you're looking at Inc.com or entrepreneur or one of those, right? And there's more, there's, there's hundreds, thousands, billions more than what I'm mentioning here. But that is some way to narrow it down. When you have identified that this publication would indeed run a piece like the one you want to propose, look at the exact structure of the articles. Again, how do they do the headlines? How do they give the uh, byline to the author? Do they do that? Do they link that? Are they looking for authors that have a specialty in writing along these topics? Look at the bio. Do they include a bio? Um, then go into the article. How do they open? What is the lead for most of the pieces? They, do they like anecdotal openings? Do they come out with a fact? Go to the body. How many points do they like to cover? What is the focus of these pieces? Are they service-based? Are they solution-based? Are they uh, how-to-ish, prescriptive, if I can get that word out? You know, are they just case studies, more about a product or a strategy? So you get all that by reading through the article. Then look at roughly, if it's a list article, how many lists? items do they like to propose? Are they action oriented? And at the end, how do they end? Is it with a, a resolution to the lead anecdote? Is there a surprising fact? Does it end with a quote? Is there a call to action? Really scrutinize and don't do this just one time. This is where the two years, two hours thing comes in. And I don't know that you need to read two years of the publications anymore, but you certainly need to scrutinize several articles if you want to have the best benefit from that. So go through that. Look at how they're structured, the pieces. And here's why you do that. Because you're going to write a pitch letter that's going to mimic the structures of the article they use. And I'm going to get into that in a minute when we come back from this short break on the Creators Network of Electrocast. You're listening to Simply Write with Polly. We'll be right back. All right, you have your idea in mind. You have your market in mind because you've done the work of looking through the publications and the articles, whether in print or online, right? If you're working for, uh, or if you're interested in working for a custom publisher or doing content marketing, 
The same rules apply. It looks a little differently because they're doing B2B marketing or you might be website, right? Websites and that kind of content or blogging, but you can get a feel for the company and their publications through the newsletters they send out, the tone, the voice, who writes them, how they have their webpage now, the kind of tone they convey, the audience and clients they speak to, and reading their about page. So there's no excuse in this world where we have access to so much information to not have a clear idea of the publication you're pitching to, especially if you want to publish there. You can send out pitches and queries all over the place and get rejection after rejection after rejection, but I wanted to up the odds of sales. And the minute I started doing better market research is the minute I started selling routinely. So here's the deal. In the beginning, especially if you're starting your freelance career, this is labor intensive and it feels like it. Although I think it's interesting too to learn about the publishing landscape and who's out there and what they're doing. But it's labor intensive and you don't have to do it all the time. After you start selling to some of these publications, you get a very clear idea of what they want and hopefully you're doing such a bang up job that they'll keep coming back to you. So it's not something you'll have to do over and over unless you're going to a new to me publication. I wrote for Arthritis Today for years and I could write a pitch and an article for them uh, fairly comfortably because I knew what they wanted. I knew what the editors were looking for. They knew what I could deliver. I knew who the audience was, right? So the market research I did from the get-go actually paved the way for me to do a number of articles for them over the years. So that's what we're talking about. I'm not going to get too far down the rabbit hole of pitching today, but I will tell you this, that when you have your idea well-focused so that it is uh, suitable for a magazine publication article. You know the length of the articles from the magazine that you research, from the, the publications. You, you're going to have an idea of how long they go, who they publish with, who writes their articles, the kind of experts they want. You're going to know all those things because you've done your research. Then you write a short pitch letter that mimics the articles they run. I put headline, I propose headlines in my pitch letters, um, you know, based on what I saw on the company's web pages or the publication's web pages. So I would fall, if they use five word headlines with a strong verb, then I would propose a headline in my pitch letter that used five words with a strong verb. If they had bullet points in their articles, my query letter would have bullet points outlining briefly in, in short, brief bullet points what I was going to cover in the article. When they ran a bio of the writer, I would include in my pitch the paragraph of who I am that you need to have in every pitch and why I'm the one to write the article. I would write it just like their writers wrote the bio. I even did this on a book proposal. When I proposed my last book, You Recharged, which you can get now wherever books are sold, go check that out. I knew the publisher I wanted to work with because I was following an editor there. I had an editor in mind of someone I really wanted to work with. And so I went to that publisher's website and I looked at the 
way they pitched the books they were selling to consumers. And they had a very concise format that they use, a structure. So when I wrote the concept statement for my nonfiction book proposal, I did it just like their sales material that they put on the website to sell the books. So that when they read my proposal, they could actually imagine my book on their website, on their shelves. And I've done that all along. I want to bridge the gap between the editors and me. I want them to see that I have a handle on the people they are trying to serve, the job they are doing, and I can carry that through to their pages. And by the way, see, look, I'm doing it right here. Here's an example of what I can do. This looks like one of your articles. This sounds like one of your articles. I'm speaking right to your audience. I think when you do some of these things at the front end, you're going to have, you're going to sell more. It's, it's just that simple. You're going to sell more, you're going to sell faster, and you're going to spend more of your time writing than you are pitching because you're going to create a client base that's going to come back. I really recommend that you do the market research before you start pitching to the publication and let me know how it goes. You can hit me up on simplywrite.substack.com where we talk about crafting a writing career and creating a writer's life, and this is all part of it. This is the business side of publishing your work. And that brings us to what's in the desk where we talk about the things that we have around us to help us get the writing done. And I have, today I'm talking about a post-it calendar. Basically, it's a big pad of paper that's got the days of the week on it. I fill in the blanks for the actual date, but it's got, Mon it runs actually Monday through Sunday. Got it from JSTORY. And it's a big pad with these open squares and that is where I make my editorial calendar and that's on the desk today. I'm really working through it today looking at the projects I have. TK, which in journalism means to come. Sometimes they put that on the page to let, let people know information is still TK, to come. Um, and I have that on my desk today. I'm really scrolling things in and crossing things out. I set up my editorial calendar around the guests we have coming on the podcast, the topics we're covering, things I'm writing about in the column, the deadlines I have for Psychology Today, and my publisher, and other publications I'm writing for, and all sorts of things. In episode 110, I talk about the importance of having an editorial calendar so you know uh, what publications to pitch and when and helps you be more timely and sell more work that way. And I just map this all out on this big post-it pad. It's a big blank calendar with the days of the week and I write in the dates and um, that's what's in the desk. And that's the show today. We're going to wrap it up now so we can get back to the writing and selling, right? And remember, as you go forward and study the markets this week and get ready to sell your pieces and understand what publishers are looking for, you'll have more success. And remember this quote from William Bernbach, let us prove to the world that good taste, good art, and good writing can be good selling. Sit down this week, writers, and simply write. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for season two of the Wanna Bet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that season two starts August 18th. 
but I like airplane. I know you do, but WannaBet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Electric Acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonise your mind, body and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Electric Acid.